Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Woodstock, Georgia, it's time for Cherokee Business Radio. Now, here's your host. Welcome to Cherokee Business Radio. Stone Payton here with you this morning, and today's episode is brought to you in part by Alma Coffee. Sustainably grown, veteran-owned, and direct trade, which means, of course, from seed to cup, there are no middlemen. Please go check them out at myalmacoffee.com and go visit their roastery cafe at 3448 Holly Springs Parkway in Canton. Ask for Leticia or Harry and tell them that Stone sent you. You guys are in for a real treat this morning. Please join me first up on Cherokee Business Radio, Mr. Brian Gamble with Woodstock Arch. Good morning, sir. Good morning. How are you, Stone? I am doing well. I had the pleasure of enjoying just one small piece of what you guys do as recently as yesterday evening as I watched my wife and three of our neighbors uh, at their last part of their pottery class, uh, which is the glazing. They were dunking these bowls and cups in in these five-gallon pails. They were having the time of their lives. I was sitting there on the uh, on the stage where we've had acts come for the Lantern Series, and I positioned myself between what they were doing and Cornhole League. <laughs> and I thought, what a marvelous place to, to live, work, and play. So, uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about uh, Woodstock Arts. For those, I, don't, I can't imagine, but if there's someone out there who doesn't know about this organization – Mission, purpose, and and what you guys got going on, man. Yeah, so uh, for those of you who might have already known us, we are currently still Elm Street Cultural Arts Village. We're making that transition into Woodstock Arts to embrace our community just a little bit more than we already have uh, this upcoming August. So August 1, we will officially be Woodstock Arts. Um, but yeah, we, uh, we stay busy. So we've, uh, grown up through the theater program, originally the Town Lake Arts Center all the way back in 2002. Uh, we were off of Bell's Ferry in a little tin building, just doing some theater for families. And we, um, we moved downtown as kind of with a partnership with the city, um, to give the city of Woodstock a arts hub. Um, so we've had visual art classes for a long time. And then finally, after, the better part of 10 years, we were able to get the Reeves house built and it is in its second exhibit, which we're super excited for. Um, so the inaugural one just went down. The second exhibit women's work is actually just opened up this past Thursday. Um, and it's all textile pieces, which are traditionally women's jobs, um, but looked at in a different light. So you'll see a lot of very unique quilts. There's one that I absolutely love, but my fiance will not let me hang in our house. Um, (laughs) that is, uh, a bunch of stitches of wind patterns on a regular day in Atlanta just to show that there is beauty in every single day. So um, that's just free to the public. You can walk into the Reeves house if you want to, grab a cup of coffee, get your bottomless mimosas on Sunday, or uh, (laughs) get a glass of wine and just go in and enjoy the art whenever you'd like. Um, But we also have recently just opened back up the theater, which is super Uh exciting. Um, The last Elm Street Cultural Arts Village show is Junie B. Jones. So uh, if you have any kiddos that have read that book series, I know sure. that a lot of people I know grew, uh, read them growing up. Um, but that is going through not this upcoming Wednesday, but the following Wednesday is our final show for that. And then we're kicking off the fall with Legally Blonde. So Fun. we're super excited for that. And this Saturday, we actually have a concert like on the uh, the, on the green that you were talking about with Scott Mulvihill, a uh, upright bass player. And he has kind of that classical pop feel so uh, you have some more of those pop vocals but with the upright bass Um, it's gonna be a lot of fun and tables are still available and honestly just getting a table with your friends and possibly decorating it well enough to win a table to the next concert is always a fun fun thing to do well you had me at bottomless mimosas great Uh, (laughs) but my head is spinning just as a a citizen (laughs) who lives here in the community and and works here in in the community with all the activities that are going, I can't imagine <laughs> what the inside of your brain must be like. What What is your role? What 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 do you specifically do for this organization? Yeah, so I'm the managing director. Um, basically, uh, I get to help out with a lot of logistics, budgeting, scheduling, HR, all the fun stuff you think about with the <laughs> arts. Um, but I also get to work as a department head of the Lantern Series. So ah. um, it's my fault for whoever is on that stage on a given Saturday. Um, I used to be the production manager. My joke was always, if it's 
on a stage, it's my fault. Whether it was in the theater, whether it was on the green, if it's on a stage, it's my fault. Now I just joke that it's all my fault. Um, so. <laughs> That's personal accountability, right, Coach? <laughs> in, in a little while, we're going to visit with Coach Ellen Tyler. And uh, Coach, personal accountability, that's important stuff, right? Yep, and I would I would just say it's not your fault. It's <laughs> It's because you took ownership of it. Oh, yeah, it's my opportunity, right? <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, we, we do have a lot going on at all times. Um, you know, we're, we're trying to keep things going at the Reeves house and have uh-huh. free events to the public jazz nights have been a hit up to this point. Um, and you know, if you're in there grabbing a cup of coffee, you can look over to your left and see, uh, see the calendar we have going on and maybe see an event you want to come to. All right. Hit the brakes. Jazz nights. You just went like, you go right over this. Stuff yeah. Like- <laughs> I, we, there's so many, I can break them all down, but we, I don't know if the show's long enough. Um, we have a jazz band that comes out and you can just bring your chair, come sit on the back. We'll have the bar out back too. And you Sweet. can just hang out and they're out there for four hours. And it's just some free jazz music once a month, once a month. All right. Once a month. And then we have two other major events at the Reeves house that are once a month art on the spot, which is this Friday, we get local artists and they create art right there on the spot. It's all in the name. Um, but you can buy a <laughs> raffle ticket and take home one of these pieces of art. Art. So if you're there, you can choose which one, you know, at the end of the night, you can choose which one you want to take home with you. If you're not there, you can still be drawn to win and we'll just have the artwork there for you to come pick up whenever you're back. So is it hard to find artists who are willing to just be there like a bug in a jar doing their thing <laughs> right there on the spot or... or- so you got to find the right people, obviously, but I think um, for a lot of them, it's also kind of a marketing thing, right? If I know oh, I'm going to okay. have 40, 50 people walk through and uh-huh. they like what I'm doing right now, I can also say, well, here's some other stuff I do and I can do commissions. And, you know, they, for a lot of them, it is a good source of, you know, marketing revenue and then at some point getting clients. Okay. So everybody wins from that. So let's back up a little bit. Yeah. I got to I got to get a feel for this. What is your backstory? How in the world does one land in a position like this? Um, yeah, that's a great question. Uh, so I actually grew up in Ackworth. Um, I started oh. doing theater at the organization back in 2003 as a small child. Um, but So you like being on the stage, too, or at least you I, I used to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not there anymore, but <laughs> um, I'll still get on the stage and talk about what I have going on. But really, mm-hmm. when it comes for, for, to a performance aspect, I think the last time I did something was a couple of years ago, actually, on our stage. Um, but we, um, you know, I grew up through the organization. I went off to college, got my degree in theater at Florida State University. And, and um, aren't they very well known for that program? Yes. The theater program at Florida State is one of the top, especially in the Southeast, but in the so. country. Yeah. It's a phenomenal program with a lot of great people. Um, I still, you know, love going and chatting with my old professors and things like that. They, it's, it's all about those connections sometimes, too. Um, but, you know, I came back. I had taken a couple of other jobs. I was in Ithaca, New York for a little bit. I was in Lynchburg, Virginia for a little while. And um, then I was, you know, I was just ready to come home for a little bit. And the production management job opened up. I applied. I'm here. And uh, as the organization's grown, obviously, it started off as just a theater job. And then the Lantern Series needed, you know, a little bit more attention. And I was like, I can help. I love music. I really was going to double major in music and theater. But then I also realized I wanted to breathe sometimes and sleep. <laughs> um, so I decided to just focus on theater. But it was a good um, good opportunity then to go back into those roots. And really um, what we love about the Lantern series is um, it's about bringing different cultures and stories together. So it's not uh, it's not a bluegrass series. It's not a jazz series. It's meant to celebrate every culture, which is why every culture has its own lantern. Right. So there's the London Fog uh-huh. and the Chinese Lantern. So we want to celebrate those cultures. And that's why you're around a table to create that conversation. Um, so we'll have Afro-Celtic funk. We will have. Um, <laughs> How many of those albums do you have on your shelf, Ellen? Right. Zero. <laughs> right. But wouldn't it be great I to expose them? I would, too. Oh, yeah. I would, too. African drums, bagpipes and funk music is something I never thought <laughs> I would love wow. so much as I do. But then you have Irish bluegrass. You have this um, classical pop. So like all of these different things that, you know, you're not going to get anywhere else. Really, it's you might right. have to drive into Atlanta for it. We want to give it, you know, to the people here in Woodstock and in Cherokee County and just put in your own backyard. So I remember um, we had an opportunity to to uh, get a table, and that was a marvelous experience. But the very first time we came to the Lantern Series, uh, we sort of stumbled onto it, and we just we bought a couple of seats, and they were very modestly priced. And, I mean, the 
the worst seat in the house, which there's no such the worst seat in the house is like the best seat in any other venue. And you can, it's just, it's just a, a marvelous experience. And you've got, you've got young kids, you've got, you, you got uh, people from the neighborhood. It's just a, I don't know. There's a, there's a, there's a buzz or a vibe at that Lantern series. that's really cool. And I, I suspect difficult for others to replicate. Yeah. It's definitely a community building experience. And, um, we try to keep it accessible to kind of what you were saying, right. all, all of our programming really, um, for, you know, for a concert that we're flying somebody in from across, you know, across the sea, they're coming in from Ireland. I think you can still get tickets for less than $20 a pop, which, you know. That you- is incredible. Okay, now wait a minute. Flying pe- okay, yeah, <laughs> let me ask about that. How do you decide, how do you go about finding these these acts? So um, in that industry, there's a little bit of a lot of different things. So uh, one great example of what everyone thinks it probably is, is, uh, I, um, over the pandemic, I reached out to some friends cause you know, everyone had a little bit of a mental lull during that point. And I was like, right. you know, I want to think about the people that mean something to me. So I said, send me your five favorite songs, five songs that mean something to you. Huh. And someone sent me a denim jacket by Sammy Ray and the friends. And I was like, this song is really good. This artist is really good. So then I start snooping. And then I find out who their agent is and I look at how many streams they have on Spotify and how many followers they have on Instagram to just trying to start to figure out what that price point is. And once again, because pandemic, we had a lot of artists that were like, hey, I can't come from Canada. It's not allowed. Right. I can't come from, you know, Ireland. So we were looking for in-country artists to replace those acts because we were open. All of our audience was like, we just want to come see art. We want to come to a concert. So... I was like, eh, I'll shoot my shot. Then Sammy Ray came this past October, and uh, <laughs> nice. uh, it was a lot of fun to have her. So that's kind of one of the more fun, what everyone would think, ways of just, oh, I heard this song. I like it. Let me go snoop around. Um, but in all reality, we mostly build our entire season from going to a couple different conferences, and it's the best week of my job throughout the entire year where I get to go somewhere else, talk about what we do with a bunch of other professionals, yeah. talk to agents about, you know, What's this price look like? Well, what's this date look like? Well, what if we got another venue in Georgia to get them on this day? Could we lower the price? There's ah, a lot of negotiation there. there. And then um, and then I listen to concerts for about six hours every night. So you get 15-minute concerts for, you know, from 3 o'clock to midnight. And you're just oh my gracious. watching whatever you want to watch. And, you know, if I there, there have been a couple times we don't produce dance right now. But every now and then it's nice to go see, you know, a dance troupe perform so I can oh, just yeah. scooch over and watch that or see a comedian and start getting those gears turning of, well, <laughs> what if we, what if we presented dance? What would that look like on the outdoor stage? Or what if, what if we did comedy and when, when could we do that? And all those different things. Well, if you do comedy or dance, I'll be there. I love comedy. I haven't been to a comedy show in some time, but that's really cool. Well, we have a local one that's every month too, Stone. Good Lord. Look at <laughs> Man, I need like a, a spreadsheet or something here. Yeah, no, we... Um, <laughs> Over the past two or three years with the Growth of Lantern series with the Visual Arts Center, um, we went from a busy weekend being three to five events, you know, because we'd have a show Friday, Saturday, Sunday in the theater and a concert and maybe one other random thing uh, to a smooth weekend for us right now is eight. Oh, my. And that's not counting what, like you talked about, the bottomless mimosas. To us, that's just (laughs) an offering we have that's not an event. Um, But it's, you know, it's it's we stay busy. You you really do. I can't imagine the discipline, the personal discipline that you must have to exercise to go to these conferences and stay focused on business. Because <laughs> I could see me like having a Vegas moment. <laughs> and Coach Ellen over here is nodding her head. Focus. <laughs> that's uh, that, that that's incredible. I will say uh, you you mentioned sort of the the pandemic and how that's had an impact. One of the moments that really stood out for me when we when we did get the table, we got a table for the uh, time for three. Yes, Am I remembering that they right? They were great, yeah. And uh, there, well, actually, there were a couple things. One was, you know, when the, the the gentleman mentioned one of the one of the three mentioned that there was someone in the audience that was his roommate at a little school called Juilliard. <laughs> so these are like top acts. I mean, these are these are talented people. But what was uh, so evident, and, and, and these guys just d- demonstrably you know, d- articulated and made a very uh, uh, a real point of communicating, you could just tell how much they were enjoying once again conducting live 
performances. You could just see the mm. joy in their eyes, couldn't you? That how, how thrilled they were to be doing live again. Oh, yeah. Last month, we had another artist that hadn't done anything live. We, we've been <sighs> thoroughly blessed in the weirdest way when it came to everything that happened for having that outdoor space. Yeah. Um, as, as an arts organization, we had to keep a close eye on a lot of those uh, governor's orders. And uh, it was done by industry. So we were one of the last industries to allow to open. Um, So we, we got to watch a lot of success stories. We got a lot of watch of not as much of success stories from other industries and see what was going on. And um, we were set up in position of success. So we were able to have concerts starting last July. Um, So it's, it's been about a full year since we've been able to actually be open back up. Um, but having a lot of these artists just come in and, you know, the arts were hurting during this time. Yeah. Uh, we are a very lucky organization because we're growing rapidly, which is not, you know, a lot of organizations went under, they weren't as lucky. Um, but it's because of people coming mm-hmm. out to these concerts. It's about people who have donated and, uh, donated their time to our volunteers. We are a very small staff. Um, I think at this point we've gotten up to like seven or eight. We, we were four before the four or five before the pandemic started. Um, and, uh, we've, we've been so lucky to both grow that staff <clears throat> and to see the volunteerism growth and, uh, to really embrace this community. Um, so if you've been able to be in an event up to this point, thank you so much. If you haven't, we are so happy to have you at the next one. So there's there's a branding shift that's been right. underway. Is that the right way to articulate it? A branding a branding yeah. shift. Uh, talk a little bit about that. Uh, what you feel like motivated that, and anything you would like the community to know about that about that shift. Yeah. Um, so yeah. we are. Uh, I think I said a little bit earlier. Currently, Elm Street Cultural Arts Village, um, but I think we're going to try to make sure all the branding on this is for Woodstock Arts because that's changing in about. 17-ish days, uh, whenever August 1st is. (laughs) All right. Um, But in all reality, for us, there were a couple of factors. Um, The funniest one for me is anytime radio shows are a great example. You had your notes and you read everything, and it was great. We have definitely had some times where there are Elm Arts Village Street thing. Um, if, if we get that sometimes, X Business Radio. Yeah, yeah if, right. if I had a nickel for every time that Elm Street Cultural Arts Village was butchered, uh, I would have a lot of nickels. Um, but in, the, in more seriousness, uh, we talked with Tom Cox, who's designed a lot of things around here, including Alma um, and Reformation and a lot of those local businesses. But um, Oh, he's all over the studio. I got yeah. him on the on the logo wall. I got him on the Reformation hat. So that, yeah, no, that's the guy, right? Yeah, Tom Cox does a oh, lot of. He, go, he did uh, Woodstock as well. The Visit Woodstock brand. So you'll see ah, like a little okay. scarecrow around October. He, right. you know, he was great to work with. Um, but he sat down with a lot of stakeholders about two years ago now, um, to just trying to kind of pick people's brains to what makes our organization what it is. Right. Um, and uh, what we really got down to is we are here for this community. Um, and we need people to know where we are and what we do. Right. Woodstock arts. That's that, that is it. Um, so one to embrace Woodstock and to embrace the North Metro Atlanta community just a little mm-hmm. bit more. Um, but two, just to keep it simple, right? If you know, you hear Elm street cultural arts village, it's a lot that doesn't mean what you think it means, at least at first. Well, it's a mouthful for the layperson, right coach? Yeah. It's a lot. <laughs> simple. To the point. <laughs> Yeah, it's right. no, very like simple this. and clean. Simple. Um, some of the br- the branding behind it too is we have a pulse, which would be the logo. If if it's just set up, it looks like a W and an A a little bit, but really it's to talk about how we're the heartbeat of the community. Oh, um, boy, this Cox fella, he's he knows what he's doing. <laughs> My goodness, yeah. <laughs> after, after working with Reformation Surge in the city of Woodstock, you you kind of at least have an oh, idea. My. But no, Tom was fantastic to work with, and it was a great um, great full um, buy-in effort from our staff, from our board, from volunteers, from teachers. Uh, everyone yeah. just was kind of, yeah, I know it was time for a little bit more growth because the organization's growing, the Reeves House is opening up, and this is a good time to make that change. So, All right, so you see all the hats in the studio. We plan to have more. I've got a pie bar hat, a Reformation hat, a Little River Outdoors uh. hat. So let's do get some Woodstock Arts yeah. hats, yeah? So yeah, we got to get some hats, clearly. <laughs> get a, and I've been telling people I need two. One for me to wear around town <laughs> and one for the shelf. But we seriously, we're thinking about putting like a, this is going to be like a hat studio. We're going to all the local businesses. We're going to, so uh, for whatever my vote is worth, uh, I, I, I hope you decide to, to print up some hats. <laughs> 
Don't worry, so, I, I got you. <laughs> so that's for the suggestion box. Uh, before we wrap, let's talk a little bit about plugging into this effort, uh, both for just uh, people in the community who, who want to, but also this is Business Radio X. Um, some ways for businesses to plug into what you're what you're doing, and I sense that it it doesn't have to be one hundred percent altruism. I I would think that being visibly seen supporting uh, Woodstock Arts would be good mojo for the brand. A good good business. Yeah. So speak to both of those if you would a little bit. I would love to think that it's great mojo for you to uh, support us, but um, there you know there's multiple ways depending on what size your business is. Um, obviously, we've had some businesses that are just like we're going to have a volunteer day there. So if we know that um, Scott Mulvihill is coming up this Saturday, we're going to have our uh, you know our employees volunteer and reach out the same way you would for any other nonprofit. Um, we're also a nonprofit, which means we're a five hundred one c three, which means tax deductible donations, oh, which baby. is a beautiful thing. <laughs> um, we also have sponsorships on that level, so you'll see great example that hat right behind me, Reformation. They're one of our sponsors for the Lantern series. So, ah, okay, um, that's another way to get involved. If you're a sponsor, you get a table per concert for the whole year, and your name gets announced, and a oh, bunch baby. of other fun things that I would love to there talk you to you about. Um, but we also have sponsorships for the theater, which. Um, Junie B. Jones alone in the first three shows saw over 300 people, and that's just for the first three shows, right? So um, as as we're coming back to it with Legally Blonde, Sister Act, A Christmas Carol, if if your name's up there for an entire year, you're going to be seen by thousands of people in the community. Um, And then obviously with the Reeves House, we have these opportunities as well. Those are still being fleshed out, so... Um, obviously because it's brand new. So we have to figure out what that looks like. Obviously I can't give you a table to the art gallery cause that doesn't really work as well <laughs> as a concert, but, um, obviously sponsorships are a great way to get involved. It's a great way to, you know, get your name out there while also getting a little bit of a tax incentive for it. And, um, just being able to, uh, put your name out there in our community with a bunch of people that, may not have heard of your business otherwise or already know your business and are super excited to see your name somewhere supporting local. Well, no, I think that means so much. It means a lot to me. It, uh, now, I would have found Reformation and occasionally have a beer there, uh, irregardless <laughs> or regardless, whatever the word is. And I got to tell you, from well, first of all, from what I've uh, people have told me in the community about this Spencer Nick's guy, I've not met him, but apparently he's, he's just a good guy. He's just a good person. Um, but also, when I see them supporting you guys, when I see them supporting other efforts around town, when I see them opening up their um, space for like the Woodstock Business Club. I, I don't know. The beer tastes just a little bit better. You know, I, I want to support Reformation when they do. And I think that's uh, – so I really do think it's good. It, it's it's good mojo. I also get the sense um, that, yes, you have your, your menu. You guys are very creative. You're, this is what you do. You eat, sleep, uh, you know, live, breathe this stuff. So you've come up with all these neat programs. But I get the sense if I came to you and I said, you know, my wife is just – thrilled with your pottery class which by the way she just graduated from last night congrats uh business radio x wants to buy a wheel you know or you know yeah. or, or, or you whatever i i sense that you're open to those kinds of conversations of like getting creative about different ways to support right oh for sure if if uh if there's ways that you want to support that just don't fit in the box well we're gonna break the box and we're gonna figure <laughs> it out because um we're about this community, right? Like that's, that's with the name change. That's just who we are as a volunteer run organization. Um, and with that being the case, we want to support all those local businesses and whether that is, you know, setting up you buying a wheel or it's, you know, I can't really afford this right now. Can we do some sort of payment plan or whatever that is? Yeah, let's do it. Let's get you involved. Let's get your name out there. And, you know, let's just show the community how supportive you are of, local arts because you know it's not a lot of communities are and you kind of get to see the difference in going to a place that doesn't really have an art scene you you know people talk about going to Asheville North Carolina right Right. beautiful place to visit they have an entire arts district right and that's that's something you can go do they also have an entire brewery district and that's something else you can go do (laughs) but Woodstock has a little bit of both right you know you there's you're not just going downtown doing something real quick and going away. The Our goal is that you can come to our event, but beforehand you can go grab dinner somewhere local. And afterwards you can go grab your pie at pie bar or right. um, you can go shopping. Hmm. Like we, we don't want you to come and go. We want you to come 
stay a while and check out these other local businesses because they're kicking butt and taking names too. So, What a delight to have you come in here and share all this with you. This, this has been a lot of fun. I love hearing about this, don't you, Coach? I think my calendar is filled. <laughs> me too. No, and it inspires me, you know, to go back home and tell Holly, okay, we're going to start that spreadsheet. <laughs> we're going to have to have a whole yeah. separate Google calendar just for Woodstock Arts. Uh, so a couple of things. Yeah. One, I know we've talked about it casually, uh, but I will I will uh, pitch it again. Uh, we'd love it if you would come in here periodically, whatever rhythm makes sense for you yeah. on this or our other shows. We're having more and more shows that we're launching uh, and just get get our different uh, audiences um, caught up on the stuff you're doing. So if you're up for that, you know, I, I you know, I don't know. Maybe we have Woodstock Arts Wednesdays or something. I don't know, but yeah, come on in here. So so if if you're up for that, we're definitely gonna uh, make make that available to you. And I think it'd be marvelous for the community in one small way that that business radios can can try to help. Uh, but I also want to make sure that our listeners have some key points of contact, <clears throat> whether they want to have a conversation with. Uh, with you guys about this corporate sponsorship kind of stuff or just um, getting their, their, their ducks in a row on the things they want to participate in and or maybe volunteering. Uh, so <clears throat> what, are, what are some good ways for them to connect with you? The best way would be the, through the website. We have a contact us page on it like most websites do, but we also our website filters it all. So if you're interested in Lantern Series sponsorship or theater sponsorship, you can click theater and shoot oh, okay. that message and it will go to the right people. Um, I could give you the basic info at elmstreetarts.org, which once again, will they'll just go to certain people, but not other people. And you might be trying to contact somebody else entirely. Um, but yeah, volunteering, anything like that, if you use that contact form, it gets in contact with the right people um, and they, they can get you all the answers you need. Um, our office line is also an option. That's 678-494-4251. Can you tell I've worked in a ticket office before? <laughs> Um, that phone must ring off the hook. I, I yeah, it, it does. Um, and it, it's always, you know, it's it's always a great fun conversation, too, because it's normally someone going, I'm so excited for this event. I don't know where I'm parking or, you know, <laughs> can I bring in food or what does this look like? And you get to have a good conversation and learn, you know. I've been twice or I've never been. This is my right. first time in Woodstock, you know, and that's a. That's and you a do thing. have some of those kind of frequently asked questions there as well about the, you know, all that kind of stuff, where to park, bringing in food. The yeah. Whole you know, for, um, and we also send out emails prior to the events too. So if you, right. if you purchase a ticket, you should get an email before and it'll be like, here's, here's what you need to know before you go. And yeah. afterwards you'll get a big old, thank you so much for being here. And we're so excited to have you for the next one. Cause you guys are so great about that. Trying to, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think that's one, you know, one of many reasons that you've got the the following that that you do well again thank you so much brian gamble yeah. with woodstock Arts. Uh, an absolute delight we'll continue to see more of each other just in the community and at the reeves house and the, what, what's the name is kish house is that the pottery yeah thing? the, the uh, mary f kish center for pottery yes okay. that is right. um that is a great place to take a pottery class and we're we're working on trying to figure out how you can get a membership to just go in and throw some clay whenever you need to so well, I, Holly Payton will write a check for that. I can tell you I was that. About right to say, now. I know Holly's going to get real excited when she hears that live on the air. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it's been an absolute delight, and I'm quite sincere. And let's 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 find a way for you to continue to update the community. Uh, hey, it'd be great, man. Can you hang out with us while we visit yeah. with the next guest? Yeah. All right. Next up on Cherokee Business Radio, please join me in welcoming to the broadcast business mindset coach, Miss Ellen Tyler. How are you, Sunshine? I'm doing awesome. So what did you learn in that last segment? Well, I learned that I probably need to get better at time blocking my calendar <laughs> and leaving some time on the weekend. And that one of the reasons that at, in our house, we do care about local. We care very much about supporting local businesses yeah. and getting out and about. And I think it's I think it's great having them here. I do, too. All right. So tell us about your practice. You came in this morning, and I could see you always are in such good humor, but there was like a glint in your eye. Uh, I, I, I think you, you're, you've, you've brought on a, a new client. But tell us, what does that mean? Mission, purpose, what, what, uh, what are you out there trying to do for folks? Because sure. um, it's, it's a category that people kind of roll their eyes at, and they don't understand because they, they think uh, we're consultants and we're going to tell you what to do. The reason that I love what I do, and it doesn't really matter the business, but I care about businesses, is that I get to get behind somebody who wants to do a quantum leap. And mm. when whether 
whether it's um, growing their business, whether it's uh, this one is bringing a daughter into the business so she can inherit it. Uh, But you can imagine I hear so many different stories that it just, I get goosebumps. So when I'm chatting with somebody and I tell people I hold the picture of it until you can see the picture of it. So I know at that moment, point in time that they're going to they're going to do what they want to do. Just a little bit of work. So, so do these people, do they find you or, or do you find them? How does that whole thing work? Both. Okay. So if you can imagine just like a business, you know, like Brian was talking about, like how do people find you? Like how do people right. know about Radio X? You're probably out there on social media, but you're the greatest billboard for them. You're the one right. who's running around town doing a little bit of the networking. So it's a little bit of both. Okay. And if you think about it, like when Brian was talking about the vision of the Reeves house and how it came about, they had a really clear vision and a focus of where they were going. So I just hold the picture of knowing that if somebody wants to grow a business, I'll have a conversation with them. And it can be they find me on social media or they're local and I work with them from here or they're international and they're in England. But typically something has spoken to them and they're at that point in time. It's just like they're ready to go to the next step. The way that coaching works is that we help you expand your possibilities. We can only see what we think we can accomplish. And the ones that truly are successful are the ones who understand you need a little bit of help. Right. So I'm usually just a step. I tell them I'm preparing you for the next coach because there's going to be someone who's going to do even better because I work with coaches. I always tell people, don't work with somebody that doesn't bet on themselves. <laughs> I like that. No, I think some people, and, and I'll confess, I sh- surely me to some degree at, at some point um, might be under the, the impression that you, you get or someone gets you, if you're in a corporation, a coach, when you're when you're struggling and uh, old stone there, boy, we somebody gets stone a coach. Um, and I do think sometimes we put that in 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 that box, and that's not accurate. That's not right. No, if you think about it in the evolution, so just like all businesses evolve, when people even five or ten years ago thought about what a coach meant, they're thinking Tony Robbins at a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars a day. Well, Brian, can you write a check? Like, <laughs> I, no. <laughs> That's beyond people's scope. And they knew that ex-presidents worked with coaches. They knew that executives typically. So if you're in a corporation, on average, most of the senior executives are provided coaches. And so we think that it's this unattainable work that we have to get to that level to work with them. Well, with the explosion of... Um, what would I say, certification and coaching, because that's a whole nother thing, is that don't just work with somebody who hung up a shingle and said I had a huge transformation. But the growth, so the organization that I utilize some of their processes and software, we're in every single country. Uh So we're touching lives in all of those countries at, I would say, reasonable, not cheap. (laughs) <laughs> but doing that and seeing so many different businesses uh, and working with so many different types of people from different walks of life and different cultures, I suspect that would be a real advantage. If I were to engage you, you bring those those different perspectives to the to the conversation, right? Very much so. So remember when Brian was talking about how he grew up and he liked to be in theater then and isn't now, but he's liked it for a long time. Right. So sometimes... In our history of work, we may not understand, like, why is all of this? Like, why are we doing these jobs and why are we changing? And if you asked my mom when I was growing up, I was considered shy. You've got to be kidding me. No. Um, in fact, so, and true story, when I was in high school, she called all of my closest friends and asked them not to eat lunch with me. Oh, my. So that I would be forced to sit with other people and, and mind you, and... So I graduated a while ago, but our graduating class was 500 kids. So it was huge. And <laughs> so I, I now have learned there are such things as an introverted salesperson, which is what I am. All it means is that you re-energize by quiet. But 
what that helped me do, and in and then in my work experience, I watch people. So I learned early on if I liked you. So that's why I'm sitting here. <laughs> if I liked you and if I thought you were a good person that I might yeah. want to get get along with. I never picked business as a career, ever. I started in nuclear medicine. Um, oh, my. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Of course. <laughs> nuclear can, you, can you see the transition? Um, but a couple things happen. And this is where we always get really good at piecing it together from the back, looking forward. But it's that ability to carry it forward and to understand that, oh, Okay, I have done pretty good things. So organic chemistry happened. And <laughs> twice. Twice. Twice I got D's in it. My kids saw my my transcripts from high, from college and they're like, Oh, you really weren't that great of a student. I'm like, no, I watch people. So <laughs> during that time I was afforded the opportunity to go on an exchange program to England only because my roommate who majored in journalism They were starting up a new program. It was in the University of Iowa, and she was petrified to go talk to the professor. So she's like, I'll bring the shy person with me, and we'll go talk to the professor about this exchange program. And during the conversation, he just looks at me, and he said, well, why don't you come? Like, my major's nuclear medicine. And it was right at the time where organic chemistry happened, and I thought, well, how bad could this be? And you're going to send me to England. Um, And then I discovered... I can write. Okay. And I got all A's after I got a D in organic chemistry. It just helped open the door to realize that I really don't know what I want to do. So let me just get the heck out of school and figure it out. And I learned early on to say yes to opportunities. And in one of my first roles, the president, it was uh, an investment company, said, we're putting you in sales. And here's my mom. Mind you, <laughs> she, she's like, you're, you're going to do what job? Oh, and they're going to move you cross country to California, like away oh, from everything. She was thrilled. Yeah. And, and you don't like talking to people, Ellen, like, and I'm a really good student and I'm a really good follower. Now, do you find yourself coaching? Um, we, we talked about executives and that being a, a yeah. group of people yeah. that often get coaching. Do you find yourself coaching salespeople a lot? Is that or a lot? Well, think about this. Do you sell? Yes, I, I mean I have to. Right? Brian sells. Yeah, I I I don't find I will. It comes to me. I'll say selling, talking about the value that we can provide a business comes very easy to me. I don't know if, if, if selling comes easy. I don't. Not everybody says yes. Where you've been all my life, but but talking about what we do comes easy to me, and I really enjoy it. Right. Everybody sells, and because yeah. I came from the sale environment, and that was when I started to hire coaches because I didn't understand that they existed back then. And when I hired the coaches is when I had those huge quantum leaps. So I understood that they were just unlocking just key things that I wasn't aware of because I came from that. And and I'm really good at opening businesses and getting them started is what Mm -hmm. I learned was my forte in the corporate world because I get bored. (laughs) But I thought, well, why not take that skill on this side? Because if you're, if you have the title of sales, most will struggle with it because when there's sales training done in an organization, everybody has the same sales training, but not everybody is a top performer. Right. So there's a reason for that. They actually understand and have the skill set that we teach people, which is really mindset. Like, what are they thinking? Are they thinking, oh, crap, it's the 30th of the month and my manager is on my back and I haven't closed a sale? And they're sitting across from an individual thinking that that person doesn't know. Of course that person knows. They just can't figure sure, out yeah. what's going on. But even, even people who walk away from the corporate world and then open a business, those are my favorite because they first took the leap, right. which is a challenge. That tells you something about mindset right there, right? Right. They at least got either pushed far enough ahead that they th- and they believed that they could do it, but then they don't realize I'm chief cook and bottle washer now. Like, right, and they're doing a lot more than that craft that they wanted to practice. Now, do, do you find, and I recognize that surely every situation has its 
idiosyncrasies, mm-hmm. everything's unique. But do you find that there are some patterns in that, um, I don't know, <laughs> small businesses <laughs> often fail for the same three reasons or whatever, that kind of thing? Yes. So <clears throat> I would summarize it in one of the things when we're working with, with clients is we talk about how book knowledge isn't going to serve them. You could learn all the stuff in school. It's not going to help you. You need the mm-hmm. skill, like you said, to be able to express it with whatever you're selling and to get out there. So typically it involves action, whatever action that is. And average individuals will not do what they know how to do. We call it the knowing doing gap. Because ask a salesperson, what, what do they need to do? They actually should talk to people, right? Ask them what they do during the day. And, on average, that's one of the skills that we work with. And the other is that everyone, including myself and you and Brian, we have bad habits. Yeah, We don't understand that those bad habits are keeping us away from doing what we know we should do. We just don't understand how to change it. And so those are the two predominant ones that we see over and over and over again. They just show up in a different way depending on the business. So on the other side of the coin, are there some um, <clears throat> some habits or, or characteristics or traits that when you see that, yes, you still may be able to help this person, but you're like, okay, this this person, this, this gal, this guy, uh, she's a winner. She just needs to I mean, because she's got she's got she's already got this this and this, and I don't have to teach that. I don't have to take her there. Yep, morning routine. Morning routine. What is your morning routine? because, and the pandemic was a perfect example of this, how you set your mind up for the day is everything. And so that's one of my first questions is, what is your morning routine? It should include some form of exercise movement. I don't care if it's out walking. Gratitude is big. What are you grateful Mm -hmm. for? What are the 10 things you're grateful for? And then study. Do you study every day? And so... In the morning, that's what I explain. It's like you want to prepare your mind to be a steel trap. Right. Because when you think about all the noise that comes into our head during the day, you know, it, we can have one bad conversation. But if we've set ourselves up better, I, I know that if they are already doing that, there's just a couple tweaks. So you've mentioned habits a couple different times, a couple different ways. And um, I, don't, I guess sometimes, I don't know, there's some scientific term for it. But, you know, like when you buy a blue Buick and nobody else has one, and then once you buy one, every traffic light you see another blue Buick. So lately this term habits has just been popping up everywhere for me. Um, so I'd love for you to speak speak more to that because I'm almost coming to the conclusion, and I'd be interested in your input and yours too, Brian, um, if, if habits aren't even maybe – more important than goals or like without the habits, the goals are, can you talk about the habit goal thing? Yeah. Yeah. It's, and the fancy word is reticular activator system. I knew I had heard that (laughs) in some (laughs) seminar somewhere. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. It's that. And it's really when you buy a car, you see your car everywhere (laughs) right? and and then you start (laughs) noticing it. So let's talk about habits because we didn't come to this earth with habits. Like you speak English, you could have been born in China and speak Chinese. So when you think about habits, we, we adopt them early in life. So if you think you're not good at something, that's a habit. Uh, so when you think, I'll give you an example. When I was coming back from California, here's my dad. Oh, I signed you up for scuba diving lessons. Okay. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't swam since I was in eighth grade. And he said, and oh, by the way, you have to swim the length of the pool, Olympic sized pool underwater the whole length without coming up the first night. Great. Great. Okay. So. Well, your parents. <laughs> I'm a good student. I'm a good follower. But, yeah. but I then instilled a habit. So the question was, okay, so then how do I make this become a habit? What we know is that we have two parts of our mind. Because if I ask you what you think about your mind, the average answer is the scientific one, the brain. But in reality, and Dr. Thurman Fleet back in the 1930s is the one who came up with this. He was a chiropractor back then, so in the healing arts, and he cared more about, well, why don't we stop throwing pills at people and how do we help them understand how to 
change their habits. Well, that was a revolutionary idea at yes. that point, right? I'm like, I'm surprised he wasn't burned at the stake. <laughs> yeah, really? So, <laughs> so many of them. But what he did was he made this very simple drawing to help us understand how do we actually change our habits, which was mm-hmm. he just took a big round circle and drew a line between it, and at the top was the conscious mind. So it's our thinking mind. We, we see, hear, smell, taste, and touch. That's how, and we decide, are we going to accept what we hear or not? So that's where you first decide, am I good at this or not? Am I good at organic chemistry? No. And then you realize, oh, crap, it was just memorization. Right. And, but it's the key to understand that's our filtering. Everything that it lets into the subconscious, so that's the second part of it, that's where all of our actions come from. So anyone who's trying to kick a bad habit, they really have to change what they think about it. So it's how, how you change a habit. That 21-day thing, also false. Somebody made it up. Oh, it wow. sounds good. They've actually done research. It's anywhere between 19 and 350 days to make a habit. But it's just because it's something that's repeated over and over again, becomes a belief and becomes a habit. We just change it. So it sounds like you've had some practice, some practice doing this. We all have bad habits, don't (laughs) (laughs) I I usually tell stories of uh, most people can't hear the habit around money. Right. Too much is tied into money, which is interesting because goals should always be, money should be tied to it, but then it's how do you weave in the importance of what it does to your life. So most of us can't hear that it's what we think about, which is why we can't earn the six figures a year. So this is when I work with the business owners. This is something like, what did we hear growing up? My dad was pretty entrepreneurial. So I'm fortunate for that. But if, if we heard over and over, I did hear this, you have to work hard to get ahead. Right. So you got to go in and work on the weekends or you got to show up and do something different. And all we do is tweak that. Tweak that, and you'll change your outcome. So this 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 idea of money, there's a lot of uh, I don't know emotional weight around the topic of money. Money yeah. has is um, a source of a great deal of conflict, and maybe as a kid, maybe your parents argued about money a lot, yeah. or you come from a lot of money, so you don't appreciate it, you don't know how yeah. to manage it. You come from no money, so you're totally focused on it. The, I mean, it is one of those topics that just is weighted down with a with emotion, isn't it? Yeah. And so that's part of the difficulty for most people is to figure out that money is just energy. It really is. It's like you can turn on the spigot to money and you can turn it off by what you're thinking. Uh And it's, it's helping them come to that realization. It is what we heard growing up. I watched my mom decide to pay the electric bill this month and not the next month. I didn't know we would probably be considered poor growing up. So you can imagine I can never have enough money in the savings account because uh, that's what I saw. Right. And it's why when I work with people, I will say it in different terms so they can hear it. And it's funny, I'll use weight. I'll go, oh, okay. So same thing about, I want to earn $10,000 a month or I want to lose 10 pounds. Okay, I want to lose 10 pounds. What's a bad habit? Well, I buy Krispy Kreme every single morning. Well, what's a habit I should replace it with? I probably should go out on a walk. And what do I have to be thinking? Not how hard this is. But that lots of people do this. So you just walk through it. It's the same with money. I'd like to earn $10,000. Great. What, what's a bad habit? Well, I'm not calling people. I'm not. Here's the big one. I'm not asking people. We're afraid to uh, ask people to buy. That really is the big one. Isn't that the truth? Just to, even if you're not elegant, if you don't have the best systems, if you're not all that articulate, if you ask someone to buy on a regular rhythm, every week, every day, whatever makes sense for your business, <laughs> some of these folks are going to say yes if you're you'll, doing good work. You'll be surprised what you can get just by asking. Right. And that's one of the things that is is once they understand, you can be awkward and ask. Do it. Just keep doing it over and over and over again. This morning, it's 7.30 in the morning. I'm I'm up early, but it's like... She was all ready to be a client, and we get stuck in our head. Oh, but I didn't go through my process. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. So we have to listen to our intuition, and we right. just have to sit and go, hmm. It's just like coming on here. Like anytime we're doing a presentation or anytime we're able to talk to m- multiple individuals, 
I came from a world where you had a prepared presentation. I had to memorize one for 45 minutes one time. Oh, wow. People know that. Right. Versus if you just come in and it's like, I mean, I have a wealth of knowledge, don't get me wrong. But it's like, what do people need to hear? Well, the conversation will go pretty good. Stone will lead it. And whoever needs to hear what we're talking about will hear it. Will hear it. Without me thinking, oh, did I say this? Did I say that right? (laughs) So this, I have experienced this uh, dynamic, this phenomenon very recently. I uh, have joined this Woodstock Business Club. And I've been trying to get this studio off the ground, which is a separate business from my day job of of, uh, being the number two guy in the Business Radio X network. And it was like, I don't know, maybe three or four weeks ago, I announced we're launching this women in business show. I, I wish, Brian, I, when I was single, if I would have known about this, I, would, I, I should sell this product to single guys in every community. I, I have met more women <laughs> in, in the last three weeks. Uh, but to your point, I, I, and I simply, I didn't ask for like sponsors and stuff. I said, mm-hmm. we're just, we're launching a women in business show. Uh, you know, and if somebody uh, knows a woman in business who might have a compelling story to share, please let me know. And I mean, I have been flooded with genuine interest. Yes, you should talk to so-and-so. Yes, you should talk to so-and-so. Yeah. And then some of those conversations I've said, okay, great. And I don't have to get rich in month one, but I do need it funded. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm also looking for like host sponsors and a signature sponsor. And so I sort of tripped over this idea of just asking for what I need and want and I mean, it's like the whole community has is, is, is rallied around this, uh, this cause of Stone and his women in business series. Yep. <laughs> and it's fantastic. But I, have, I'm, I am living right now what you're describing. Yep. Just go out and tell people what you need and want. And if you're, if you're doing good work, they'll, they'll try to help you. Yep. So I'll tell the backstory because when, when I was there that night that you and I were chatting, mm-hmm. um, and it is all about <clears throat> intention, I started out the year just saying, not knowing how. I'm like, I just want to talk to more people. So I've done the chamber, I've done the rotary, you know, I've been on podcast. And the night that we were at the Reeves house, actually the day before, I was like, no, I don't think we're going to go. And that morning I Uh came home from the meeting. I looked at my husband and I go, no, we're going. He's like, I have to go to what? We're going where? (laughs) Um, And then you and I end up standing next to each other. It's like, that's pretty interesting. Like he has a radio thing, a jig. Like maybe I want (laughs) to do that. I don't know what that means, but maybe we should talk to him. But I love to always give examples where it's not even that. And and I think, like in our family, we have one of the best examples about what you think about happens just not in the way that you think it is in asking. Right. So we have five kids. Three of them are adopted, all siblings from um, a European country. Now, when we were going to host them, so that was a whole, anyways, we decided to host them. Because we thought, who's crazy enough to host three teenage girls and like, <laughs> we raise the money to do this? Now, we ended up adopting them because my husband's like, we are not adopting. Okay, you see how that worked out. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, it's just, he tells it way funnier, but he really was like, we are not adopting. But what came out later, and we did not know this, so when we chose the three that we were hosting, the oldest was in school in Finland. So they're from Latvia. They sent two kids over to Finland. She was she was praying. She didn't know what she was praying for. I'd like to go to America, and I'd like us to all get adopted. She, of course, meant in Latvia. Right, right. So she came to America, and they got adopted. Now, that story didn't come out until about a year or two later, but I said, look at the power of what you wanted. Yeah. So, and I think that always helps just an individual understand if it's, I want to find, I want my business to do better. We have people who find spouses with the type of work that I get to do. Uh, we have a coach that ran a marathon in Australia and she only wanted to finish in the top 10. She came in first and she's not a runner. So those types of stories, I tell people, I just tell stories. <laughs> I'm a great storyteller. I learned that from my dad, but the stories sell. Yeah. In a sense that they go, maybe that can happen for me. So I don't know the first thing about um, professionally coaching as a as a standalone profession, I don't think. But I do find myself with sort of a coaching hat on mm-hmm. in my day job because there's other people who run studios and they're looking to the to the mothership for some guidance about mm-hmm. how to how to run a, a good business. Um, 
but I do sometimes feel like I'm um, flying by the seat of my pants a, a little bit. Like I don't have the structure I think yeah. that maybe a professional um, coach might have. Can you give us a little insight into like what what does a an engagement with a certified yeah. real professional coach that knows what the heck they're doing? Yeah, can you kind of tell us what that looks like? Certainly. Yeah. Um, and I get this question a lot, and <clears throat> I think it's a great question because if there's not a process or a system then you're not really coaching right? because all coaching does is help hold you accountable to do the things that you need to do to get to where you want to be. But you obviously have to have a vehicle to help them move along. So the way that, um, that I utilize and different coaches with different types of organizations will have similar, but it's how do we start and how do we move you along the process? And, and you know where we're going. You might you might let things brew over here yep. and brew over here a little bit, but yep. you know at least you know where we're going. Well, I know where you're going. Okay. And I know where the pitfalls are. So for for me, it was coming from an analytical financial services type of a background. Right. And science. I still like science. I like things that go, do these three things and you'll get this outcome. Do these four things and you'll get this outcome. I'm a really good follower. And what I like about that type of a coaching structure is that it's not a wish and a prayer. Mm. So it's not just, well, let's talk about where you want to get to and what do you think and all that. It's like, no, if you do this, I know because, well, for one, it took me from five figures to six, mid six figures, which we don't always talk about money, but money's the great equalizer. And I just go, look, I didn't get any smarter. So if I have the same process that I did and I see it happen repeatedly, we have hundreds of thousands of people that if you do this, the guarantee is that you'll get to where you want to be. Now, it's simple. It's not easy. Right. Because we get into the bad habits and the things you're telling yourself, but the guarantee is just do it. So one of the very specific, very granular tactical things that I uh, picked up on um, during the conversation, you talked about um, identifying a bad habit, mm-hmm. and then, but you didn't just and you didn't just talk about removing that. You said replace it with another one. I I get the idea that that's an important discipline. It's that's key. It's right? the difference. It's the key. You got to replace it. You can't right. leave the void. So, so think about, um, I like eating Krispy Kreme donuts. Okay. So if I just stop eating them and that habit is at 10 o'clock every morning, I'm eating a donut and I don't replace it with anything. Well, what am I going to do? I'm going to eat a Krispy Kreme donut. You're going to revert back. So, so I'm going to revert back. As soon as you've had a bad day or a good day or right. so <laughs> or a blah day. Right? The, the other problem becomes, and this is why New Year's resolutions never work, because they don't understand, first of all, what they have to keep telling themselves to make that habit stick, and they haven't figured out. it. And it's always weight or money. The weight is a great one. We don't lose weight, because if you lose it, you're going to find it. (laughs) So I'm like, okay. And same with debt and money. If you say, I want to get out of debt, you're always going to stay into debt. Okay. So if I have a habit of it's three o'clock in the afternoon and I haven't made my five phone calls, that's not great. And I'm in sales. So the habit is no matter what, every morning at nine o'clock, I've got to make my calls. And if I don't, then I can't move on to the next thing that I need to do. So you just start by implementing one at a time. The, Mm. The challenge is people get all excited I'm going to make a million dollars. She's going to help me make $10,000, you know, whatever. And they go, let me change all of these habits. I go, one, one. Because it's too much. If you don't teach yourself how to do that, it's like training for a marathon. They don't have you day one, go out and run 20 miles. (laughs) Run 20 miles, Ellen. No, they (laughs) start slowly and build up the same with a habit. You have to start. And until you're certain that it becomes a habit, then you move on to the next one. Got it. But the, the other trick is, and you're right, it's we have to replace the bad habit with a good one. It's how do you tell yourself to do that? And it's just understanding when I said that we have a conscious and a subconscious, you have to understand your actions come from your subconscious mind. You think you're in control. So it's like the people trying to stop doing something. I'm going to stop doing this. Right. 
It's your subconscious that's used to it. And your subconscious, and the other fancy word is paradigms, they like to keep you comfortable. Uh, oh, Alan likes eating those donuts. I shouldn't pick on donuts all the time, but it just seems to <laughs> I be because I, yeah. I don't <clears throat> eat donuts. But it's like whatever I'm doing, right. it's like I've got I've to know how to, to change my actions. And that's, that's where the, the key comes because your conscious filters. It's like now, it's like people listening to you and me and Brian are going, do I believe what they're saying? Do I really believe they have unlimited mimosas there? Am I going to go? <laughs> you know, um, or they're sitting there going, oh, she, reticular activator system. I don't, I don't believe that stuff. So they're choosing that's your conscious mind. Well, right. if you believe it, then you're going to let it go into your subconscious and then you're going to take action. So they're going to sign up and they're going to come over on Sundays to the Reeves house and they're going to go, is there unlimited mimosas? And now, now they believe it. Now, now you've got to, now they believe it. And so that's, that's a very simple way of understanding our actions come from our subconscious. Yeah. So uh, I suspect there's also tremendous um, power and value in, in the fact that if we've decided that, not going to do the donut and we've replaced it um, with something more healthy, a different habit. Mm-hmm. And I've also got to have a brief conversation and update my coach Ellen on Tuesday about it. That, that accountability partner thing, that's important too, right? It, it's huge because if we're left to our own devices, so think about this. How many books do you think there's written on personal development? Oh, my gracious. I, by the way, if you like business books, host your own radio show. I've yes. got more. <laughs> I lost a whole library in a fire. Yep. And I still have more probably than anybody you know signed copies of business books. Yes, a bunch. But then you should be owning your own island. <laughs> we, shouldn't, we shouldn't be sitting here talking. So, But that's my point. So one of the questions right. I'll ask sometimes when I'm, I'm talking to a group of people is to help them understand. We call it shelf help. There's a reason it Shelf doesn't help. work. <laughs> you ought to put that on a so, T-shirt. That, that might be, maybe a hat. <laughs> we should do a there hat. You there, yes. You know, so one of the questions is because everybody either has heard of or known. I'll go, how many of you have either been told or have read Think and Grow Rich? Oh, yeah. I reread it every year. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Well, let's ask you the question. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Just put yeah, myself on the hook. Yeah. Saying that. Yeah. Oh, well. So what does the author, Napoleon Hill, tell you to do? To come back and do for 30 days. And did you do it? Apparently not, because I don't remember. I, I, I do remember gravitating toward this idea of definiteness of purpose. Yep. Um, and that was the big idea that stuck with me yep. on the last reread. But yep. no, to your point, so, I don't remember. Right. And so that's where accountability is huge. Because very successful individuals, if they reference a book there, it's usually Think and Grow Rich. They'll always say, like, what made you... Get to where you want. So here's what Napoleon Hill tells us, and he tells us all the secrets, is that he said, when you're done reading all these chapters, come back to chapter four on accountability and read it. Uh And it's actually repetition. So he has you doing the affirmations and the repetition. So how do you create a habit? His other ones are as important, but and he tells you along the way. He actually gives you a formula for the six steps to get what you want. So those people that have paid attention and used that, mm-hmm. they don't need my help. <laughs> but people like you that read it, but you understand it then, is that that's, that's the difference right. is that is you have somebody who's accountable, right. somebody who's done it, again, that's, that's key, and has similar results. So if somebody really did want to release weight, don't ever mm-hmm. say lose, they would find. Oh, you hear that? Release. We. I love doing this show. I get all this free consulting. Right. Replace the habit. Release yeah. the weight. I if love you it. lose it, you're going to find it again. But but if you need that, hire a coach. Because yeah. you know I can get on my scale in the morning. I'm like, oh, nobody saw that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's right? it's the accountability and whatever we want to accomplish. It's when we have a a person to work with. You can call them coach or a mentor that has similar results because usually all coaches, like I think of the health coaches I know, they've had transformations. Right. So they want to help other people. I had a huge business transformation. So when I thought, oh, wait, I can either help people who don't need my help, who have a lot of money in financial services, because when you get good at it, that's what the corporations do. Oh, just talk to the people with $10 million. I'm like, they don't really need help. <laughs> or... Right. Can I come over here and help people no matter where they are 
in their life change their business so it changes their family because that's how we ended up with five. You know, we were able to do that to change the community because I'm big on giving back. We just last night donated, so I'm probably going to have to talk to Brian because the funny thing is... Here, let me hand you this commission sheet, Brian. This is my cut. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. (laughs) No, but but listen to this. This is funny. Last night we were doing our charitable donation and there was an organization that I was trying to donate to three times. I kept going, nope, 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 can't take your credit card. I did all the other three, perfectly fine. I'm like, you're, you know, it's not like you're new. And I thought, there's a reason it's not going through. Probably because I'm sitting here now. Because <laughs> you're going to meet Brian today. Absolutely. So think about that. Things yeah. happen for a reason. I could talk about this all day. And, and, and we can have you back sometime. In fact, if you're up for it, I'll tell you what could be cool is... I. I don't know, though. Maybe it's too private. I, I was thinking it might be fun to have you come in with a client sometime and talk about the process, but that's probably it's probably a little too too intimate and private, isn't it? Or maybe well, an organization that's hired you to work with some of their coaches. I don't so, know. So think about this. So a lot of times we do hot seat, and, it, and it's something that as simple as saying, how do I get two clients before the end of the month? Right. We actually just run through... The teachings that we do, okay, if you want two clients, what are you doing now that's getting in your way? Then or maybe okay. we put me on the hot seat. Well, yeah, right. rather no. do somebody. Is it better to do somebody? I don't know. No, I just think actually, it would be really fun. Actually, anybody. Because it really does help help them understand. It gets them to think outside of the box. I'm going to be a lot of work, Ellen. i got a lot of flaws. <laughs> we all do. Here's, here's what they did. 400 people in a room in Los Angeles before COVID, and here's the message from our company is that you all have a self-image problem. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we all right, we so, do. So, so noodle on that idea. I don't know if and how it would work, and we would never want to compromise anybody or anything like that, but I think it might yeah, be, fun be fun to do like yeah. a hot seat thing yeah. or whatever. So we'll think about that. But before we go, let's make sure that our listeners um, have a good way to connect with, with you if they'd like to have a conversation about any of these topics, whatever you think is appropriate, whether it's email, LinkedIn, phone, yep. whatever you think yep. works. So easiest, I'm, I'm like Brian. If they go to ellentylercoaching.com, there's a contact me form. <clears throat> and so they can just fill that out. It actually books a calendar appointment with me because I like talking to people. Or they can um, go to LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. I spend more time on LinkedIn. And if they really would like to get inundated, next week we're doing a challenge with some people having Casey Sullivan come in, who's going to teach us how to improve our self-image. But we're doing a five-day um, sales challenge. So if they go to the, uh, let me think, it's it's super, oh God, you think I would know this, sales, superstarsaleschallenge.com. Okay. Yeah. And then they can just register. <clears throat> Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming and hanging out with us and no talking problem. about this. I mean, these are such important topics. This yeah. is uh, this impacts everything. And to the degree that you're able to help me or Brian or anyone yeah. else, yeah. we can turn right back around and be more of the good that's in us, right? In the community. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for Thanks joining so us. Much. And I'm quite sincere. We'll get together and do one of these hot seat thingies. Yeah. Or yeah. It's fun. <laughs> All right, until next time, this is Stone Payton for our guest this morning and everyone here at the Business Radio X family saying we'll see you next time on Cherokee Business Radio.